This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled and Acadia Company. And I'm back with longtime friend and guest of the show and recent collaborator on a new research report that we have coming out next week on August 16, Russ Derringer. Welcome to the show, Russ. Hey, Kiri. Thanks for having me back. So if you don't know Russ, Russ Derringer is the founder of Stratably, a company dedicated to elevating the digital IQ of leading consumer brands. Each week, Russ creates impactful, practical, and easy-to-digest research that speaks to all layers of an organization, helping them to see further around the corner of what's coming in retail. And next week, as I mentioned, Russ and I are launching some new research. It is a report, and we're going to be launching it with a webinar as well. It's called Four Organizational Factors Driving Amazon Success. And this was driven by a study that we did of 108 consumer brands who they provided us with their year-over-year Amazon growth rate and also graded themselves on a variety of organizational opinions and approaches towards Amazon. And those factors were executive buy-in, KPIs, supply chain prioritization, and the willingness to test and learn. And so what we're able to do is see which of those organizational factors were most significant in determining Amazon's success and what exactly the outperformance looked like. So today we're going to set the stage for that report, have a little bit more of a discussion about how we got to a point where Amazon needs to be, you know, so gingerly and carefully integrated into an organization. It is just so different to any other retail accounts that a brand has, and it needs to be treated differently and measured differently. So we're going to get into that a little bit more, both in the report and in the conversation today, but I really recommend you sign up for either our webinar on August 16 or to just receive the PDF report and go through that on your, you know, at your own pace, because there were some things that we kind of expected to see and some things that surprised us. And there was one thing that we discovered that I'm actually really concerned about that I have a public service announcement to be very careful in your company with this one particular thing. So Russ, let's just first set the stage for this. How has Amazon, once a seller of secondhand books, gotten on the agenda as an org chart disruptor? Right. Well, it's certainly come a long way from selling secondhand books. I think my forecast calls for Amazon to reach around $700, $750 billion in gross merchandise value this year across the world. So it's just operating at you know such unprecedented scale, and that scale has 
meant that for a lot of organizations, you know, over the last five years or so, what was once a sort of small account that they didn't pay much attention to has become, you know, a significant driver to their business and a significant driver to their future growth. But, you know, it just operates very differently. This concept of the endless aisle, they've got the third party marketplace, which was new. The competitors are different for brands. Even the concept of a brand is sort of different on Amazon. You're sort of, in many cases, reduced to star ratings compared to, you know, how you built a brand previously. Supply chain capabilities are different. You know, you're not shipping big pallets of stuff to centralized spots necessarily. Mm. And so all of, you know, all of these things were just very different for brands, particularly those accustomed to doing, you know, wholesale business with Amazon's big kind of omni-channel rivals. Amazon was just a different animal and it started out small, but it's grown tremendously, but it's been very disruptive along the way to the retail market and to the brands that do business in there. Yeah. Something that you've mentioned in your newsletters, I thought was a really good point is not so long ago for a lot of companies, Amazon was a channel where you just put the intern on it, right? <laughs> just put the intern on it, right. <laughs> figure it out. And that wasn't all that long ago. Why do you think Amazon didn't get the attention at the executive level that it has deserved for a long time? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, kind of like I mentioned, it was very disruptive to the status quo of how brands typically did business. And so just like kind of the classic disruptive technology concept by Clayton Christians and other researchers out there, it was so small at the time that it wasn't obvious that it was going to become you know, quite big. And so, you know, if you had the quote unquote intern, or maybe it was the West Coast kind of sales manager that got Amazon added, you know, to their plate, it was just very difficult to make a business case for something that was like 1% of your sales, and just so different, you know, and, and we can't, the thought was, you know, we're not going to change so much of our operational capabilities in order to support this tiny little account that's different, and not obviously going to become massive. So I think, you know, that was like one element. And the other thing that I think is a little bit hard to pinpoint, but there's a disconnect on the experience of senior executive teams at a lot of brands when it, as it pertains to e-commerce generally, you know, a lot of these senior executives grew up in a mostly physical brick and mortar retail world. And so when a different type of format comes along as sort of revolutionary as Amazon was, it's hard for them to incorporate that into their mental models and see what it could become. And in some cases, for some departments inside of brands, I think there was a feeling of a little bit of being threatened yeah. by Amazon. And if they didn't have the right skill set to participate in how retail was evolving and where all the change was happening, you know, what did that mean for their career? Hmm. So some of this is like people being kind of fearful of you know, surviving inside the organization and questioning their own experience. So, you know, I think there's some of those factors that played into yep. it. So we're not going to, the name of the report is, again, the four organizational factors. There are four things that we looked at um, in detail, and this is from a survey of 109 consumer brands talking about what, you know, how things were structured within their companies, KPIs that they were using to measure success, how Amazon factored into their supply chain, 
also what their sort of most recent Amazon performance was. So we used that data to find out what were the factors that influenced the Amazon growth so much. So there's four things that we came up with. We're not going to get into all of those today, but I'd like to find out from you just to get a couple of those examples, a couple of things that you found either counterintuitive or particularly interesting that we can kind of share with the audience today. Sure. So the first one that stuck out to me is the correlation between executive buy-in that Amazon's an important account for their future growth and retail strategy, the correlation of that with this culture of test and learn. So we asked respondents to sort of give us a sense of, you know, how much does their company sort of embrace a test and learn mindset? And when you look at those two things together, they were very highly correlated. A company that has a great sort of culture of test and learn, they tended by a large margin to view Amazon as being very important, despite all the you know disruptive elements that we've talked about so far on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I think that is interesting, it's almost less interesting as it pertains to Amazon, but more interesting in that the firms that were early to make Amazon a priority, they're going to be the ones that are early to spot what's coming next because they have the test and learn mindset and the test and learn culture sort of inherent to them. So they'll be early on things like how competition on Amazon is evolving over time, or they could be early to a new platform or a new consumer behavior like video commerce, which I wrote about earlier this week. And so that's what I think is really interesting. It's very difficult to change, you know, companies' culture, but I think that that correlation between those two things was one of the more interesting findings that impacts businesses even beyond just Amazon. Yeah, that's a really great point and certainly pertinent to just how many changes Amazon continues to roll out each year. There's some programs that sort of fall to the wayside, but a lot of things that roll out, there is a huge early adopter advantage. And we're certainly seeing that with newer tools like Amazon Marketing Cloud, which we've spoken about on the podcast. And certainly there is some supporting data from PackView that proves the companies that adopt new ad types and new advertising options generally outperform the brands that don't participate in those beta programs and sort of are early adopters there too. So definitely something where if you've got your finger on the pulse with Amazon, you can take advantage of a lot of new opportunities that your competitors are not just because the volume of new programs is very prolific. It's very much sort of aligning your own organization with how Amazon thinks, right? So Amazon's always going to, Amazon's known, right, to do a lot of tests, to throw a lot of stuff against the wall. And you know, not all of it is going to work. And at times it seems like they didn't, you know, they might not have necessarily thought through, you know, whether something was going to work, but that's the whole model is sort of testing and learning and then iterating and doubling down on the winners. And so I think it's almost as simple as just getting your organization to understand that you need that type of mindset to do really well on the account. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Ross, what do you think people will get out of the report that we're launching on August 16. Yeah, so what I really like from the report is just we really try to make quantitative 
findings about how growth is impacted by fundamental things like executive buy-in. So executive buy-in is just the example that we've talked about so far. That's sort of like a soft thing. It's a little bit hard to measure. But when you start looking at that compared to relative growth rates, you start to understand the magnitude, You know, again, backed by data on just how important that is. So I think the report's really interesting because it sort of turns those intuitive sort of insights that we in the industry have known all along, but tries to put numbers behind the impact Mm. that some of those things have. So I think that's what's sort of most exciting about the report. You know, if you're leading e-commerce for an organization, I think you can use the data in the report to support your own initiatives internally. You know, we've talked a lot about the importance of testing new models here on the podcast today, but even, you know, maybe you've got some initiatives around supply chain capabilities that relate to digital commerce. We help lay out some of the financial impact for companies that have, you know, built those types of supply chain capabilities as an example. So, you know, I think it's just a helpful resource that is coming from an objective place, you know, this benchmarking study that you can point to inside your organization as, you know, additional support (laughs) for whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Definitely agree with that. It's sometimes challenging for practitioners within brands to advocate for change, being the new kid on the block. And certainly, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. we're seeing more adoption of Amazon, more executive buy-in over time. But sometimes the e-commerce or Amazon team is still such a small part of the overall voice of how the company operates that we want to give some additional firepower to those folks who are evangelizing internally within their companies to get some more resources, to get a little bit more of a seat at the table, if you will. Exactly. And as far as the industry has come, you know, we still, a lot of e-commerce leaders inside of brands, to your point, they are, you know, still in the minority. And so whatever we can do to help make their job a little bit easier, that's always a good thing. Well, thanks again for joining me, Russ. And like I mentioned at the top of the episode, we are going to be sharing the full research on August 16. That is next Tuesday. You can join our webinar that we're going to be doing live from LinkedIn at 11 a.m. Eastern time, or you can sign up to just get the report when it is published on our website, bobsidemarketing.com. We'll link up to those two spots in the show notes. But if you don't have that in front of you, you can track down Russ or myself on LinkedIn, find this event that we're going to be doing on the 16th or go to bobsledmarketing.com, find our resources tab and sign up there. Thanks, Kiri. Can't wait to do the live event. Thanks for listening and catch you next week.